Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape the future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. All right, folks. Today we're going to talk about getting super organized, super focused in your business. I've got the integrator from Rocket Fuel. He's managed many different companies, owned several companies, flipped them. We're going to talk about his experience doing that, uh, how he got burnt out and overcame burnout, um, how, the importance of how to develop an offer, how to develop marketing rocks, and what rocks are, the visionary integrator role to get you unstuck if you're the visionary. I've got Casey Cavell. Casey, thank you so much for being on the show. You bet. Great to be here. And don't forget, this is brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the best ways, but the best rocks for your business is video case stories. Your client stories can be used everywhere, including improving your offer and motivating your team. Go to VideoCaseStory.com to learn more. All right, let's get started. So, Casey, tell us a little bit about uh, Legacy 412 and, and what you do from there first. Yeah, sure thing. So I've been a serial entrepreneur, started my first company right out of college. I'm 21 years old. I'm trying to figure out what do I want to do kind of thing. And I'm like, I like to fix things. So I started getting into businesses that I saw that were broken. And I just started researching businesses that I could add value to. And I would go into these places and I'd be like, okay, well, what if they did this? Or what if they changed this? Or what if they improved this? And I would go into businesses and look for inefficiencies and in operations and execution. And I would just go in and buy these businesses. And, you know, I bought my first business for $90,000. Like I got a friends and family loan, bought it for $90,000, figured out a way to make it a little bit better, tripled it in value over a course of a year and put a couple hundred thousand dollars in my pocket and then reinvested that in the next business. And did that a couple dozen times over the first 10 years of kind of my entrepreneurial career. And each time I would scale up and I would do the same kind of thing. I would go in and I would focus on businesses that just weren't good on the execution side. There was a better way to get things done. And did that and built several different businesses all across the spectrum of different industries. And then you know, when I sold a company, I always asked myself, like, what would I do if money didn't matter? And I was like, I'm a baseball guy. I like baseball. Um, I love business. So I found a baseball franchise that was out there. And same kind of thing. There was eight existing franchises out there in the kind of world. And I went into those businesses and they were profitable. But I kept saying, like, if they did this or improved this, like, it could even be more profitable. So I bought my own franchise, put it in Atlanta, Georgia. And we built, you know, about a $2 million business. We served tens of thousands of kids a month that came into this academy that we had. And the first two years were amazing, but I got burnt out. Like we won franchise of the year. We were financially profitable. I mean, it was a super big success for everybody. But on the inside, I was dying, I am, because I was working so hard and I was sitting in every seat in the organization. I was doing the sales and the marketing and the finance and the ops and everything. And I was just so tired and I was like, there's got to be, you know, a better way. You ever experienced that or had anybody else experience something similar? Um, every day. <laughs> every day we're meeting people that they got a business. It might be financially successful or maybe it's not, but they're just trying to figure out like, how do I spend my time doing the things that only I can do that I love to do? And I honestly was about to sell the business. It was going to be another flip, but I was like, I saw a bigger opportunity. 
And I found a business partner at that time and he did and liked the things that I didn't necessarily love. And I was like, I learned at this time about this whole visionary integrator thing from the book Rocket Fuel. And I'm like, can we create this type of dynamic where he does all the big picture raising funds and finding new buildings and looking at new partnerships. And I'm like the operator running the day to day because to run the day to day and focus on growth, it's hard. And we ended up building a great relationship and we went from, you know, a $2 million business to a $10 million business in a couple year period and one location to five locations. And it was really awesome. And we, impacted more people. I enjoyed what I was doing finally. And yeah, we just created a system that allowed us to um, make a bigger impact and, you know, leave a legacy uh, with not only our customers, but our employees. That's fantastic. I mean, we all get in their business to, to do our thing and to have fun, but very quickly slips away. What was, you said you're burnt out. What was the point where you realized I need to change something. What, what was the, was there one single event or was it just like, it was compounding, compounding, compounding? I mean, I, I realized that if I wasn't at my business, things weren't going to get done. And I was like, well, why is that? And I realized that I was lacking processes in my business. I realized that I was lacking training in my business. And when I started documenting processes and documenting systems and putting together trainings, I could effectively, effectively train others to do the job that I was doing. And every few weeks I would train new people on certain things and I would give them resources and tools that they needed to, you know, be successful and do the job. You know, we, we mentioned visionary integrator. Let's real quickly, some, in case someone doesn't, you mentioned rocket fuel, in case someone doesn't know what those two roles are, let's, like, can you mention those, uh, can you explain those to us, please? Yeah, they were kind of made famous in the book Rocket Fuel. Uh, Mark Winters and Gina Wickman wrote it. And it talks about how every business needs two people at the top of an organization. The, the, the visionary, the big thinker, the idea maker, uh, the relationship guy, the one that's coming up with all kinds of new ideas or a, a gal that's just like always thinking six, 12 months ahead of time or maybe even three or 10 years. And, you know, it's the people that are always coming up with, where are we going? And then the integrator is the one that's like taking those good ideas and making those ideas actually happen. Because a visionary is very optimistic and an integrator is really realistic. And a visionary is coming up with all kinds of new ideas, but the integrator is the one like, that takes the two of the 20 new ideas each week and execute those ideas. So the integrator is running the day-to-day -day operations of the organization. They're managing the people. They're making sure the projects stay on track. Everything's getting done on time. The numbers are working. And the visionary is just doing the, the big picture things and sitting at a 30,000 uh, foot level. But they know they have somebody in the organiza organization they can trust that's going to get the job done. And, um, and that's when you have those two people, you got a visionary more like a CEO type and then an integrator would be more like a COO title if you use corporate speaking. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, they're big roles and they're important roles. And, you know, we'll have more and more podcasts about visionaries and integrators and, and Casey's team really helps you to find that. It can help you to find that, train someone in there, develop those systems, you know, full disclosure, we've used Casey and he's amazing. That's part of the reason I want to bring him on the podcast. And a lot of people I've, I've introduced Casey to, Ralph Burns, I've loved working with him and his team. So, but I want to talk about one more story because you actually ended up working with Mark on Rocket Fuel. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about? Yeah, I did. So, you know, Mark Winters, author of Rocket Fuel, uh, 
you know, we just got connected. I'm trying to think we might've met at a conference or something like that. And he got my background experience and he made me take the visionary integrator assessment, my personality assessments, because there truly is a unique uh, personality that you need to be an integrator. And I think he saw that in me and I saw that in him that he had some skills and I complimented him and he complimented me. And we got to know each other a little bit. And he said, hey, Casey, I'm trying to grow this business, but I really just want to do a few things. I want to learn new things. I want to create content and I want to deliver that content. And I need somebody else that can kind of do everything else. So the goal was we allowed him to do the things that only he could do, that he loved to do, that really moved the needle. And then, you know, I jumped in there in a, a fractional integrator capacity because we weren't like a giant organization. You know, we had a small team, but we were really efficient and we delivered a lot of really amazing life-changing content to visionaries and to integrators to help them build a better visionary integrator relationship. And then we also created content to help integrators improve in their role. And it was really awesome working with him. Uh, the business was an amazing hit and uh, super successful. Um, and yeah, it was great working with somebody that wrote the book on visionaries and integrators. And when you stepped into that integrator role, how long, because you, you guys had an exit recently, how long was it from the time you stepped in until you had that exit? Yeah, I worked for Mark for 15 months. And the first few months, it was getting to know each other and really understanding what we were doing. And then we were mapping out like, what's our offer and what's our strategy and how are we going to get that to the target market? And then it was rolling out the offer um, and then delivering that offer to our target market. And I think a lot of businesses, they don't nail their offer and then they're not really nailing how are they delivering that to their market, simplifying the message and then getting that simple message to their target market and then making sure that once the product is delivered and the customers are, are delighted, it's teaching them to refer others. And that's where we focus because he helped tons of people and it was deliver amazing resources and then get those people to refer others. And we created that flywheel and it just worked. I love that. And so, I mean, but I don't want to gloss over this. I talk about so much, but the fact that you're an integrator and at a big company, and it, it would seem obvious, like with you know selling rock fuel, that the offer wouldn't need to be crystal clear. But I'm so few companies spend time on that offer. How how long did you all spend working on the offer and refining it? Yeah, a lot, and it was a lot of research and asking our customer what they wanted. And I think a lot of times, visionaries, business owners are coming up with these new products or services and not really asking their customer if they want it or they need it and really understanding what are the pain points of their customer? What does their customer need? What does their customer want? What do they desire? And then can you create a product to serve them and meet their needs? So that's, yeah, that, that we did spend a lot of time on that. That's great. And it, it, you know, we, we have a lot of episodes, we put some links in there on developing great offers. You know, we had Joel Irwin on, on power offer and testing those out. I think it's such an important thing that so few businesses do. Cause I see so many people come up here to me and they, they're not clear on what they're selling. You know, it's like, oh, I want to sell public speaking training. I'm like, but what's the offer? It's public speaking training. But like, what does that mean? What are they getting? Um, and it's great to have that integrated role. And, and that comes down back to now marketing, right? Because offer development is essentially marketing, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. And so one thing in EOS that I wanted to talk about was rocks. And let's explain what a rock is and why is it important? And then we'll talk about how to develop it. Yeah. So a rock is really the 
the big quarterly priority of the organization as a whole. And then each individual person in the organization should have a quarterly priority that they're trying to accomplish, a project, a working on the business type of thing that will help them get to where they ultimately want to go. Because a great business is really good at compartmentalization, which is basically taking a long-term goal and then breaking it into small chunks and then even into smaller chunks. So an example would be, let me just use one that's not a business thing and see if everybody can look at this. A year from now, I want to run a marathon or you want to run a marathon. So I am year from now, you're going to run a marathon. That's a pretty big goal. And let's imagine that you never even ran a mile before, right? But you're physically able to do it. It's just going to take a lot of time. A year from now, you want to run a marathon. All right. Well, what do we need to do to get started? One, we should probably break that down into a 90 day goal, a 90 day rock. Well, if you want to run a marathon in a year, what's a good goal to accomplish over the first 90 days? Maybe running a 5K. So your quarterly goal would be one thing that you want to accomplish that would help you get to your longer term goal. So that rock could be run a 5K. Now, if you want to run a 5K 90 days from now, Ian, and you still have never ran a mile, there's probably a bunch of things that need to happen from now until day 90 to get there. But let's pretend you don't even own a pair of running shoes. In the first week of that day goal, you should probably buy a pair of running shoes. In the first week, you should probably hire a trainer. In the first week, you should probably get on a new diet. You know, and, and then it's, okay, by week two, what do you do? By week three, what do you do? And what that allows you to do is if you have a 90-day goal, even inside of that 90-day goal, you have weekly goals that you're trying to accomplish along the way to make sure you're on track. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I've set 90-day goals in the past and I'm 30 days in, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm behind schedule. Because you write it down, you don't look at it. And what we do and what we like to teach is set the quarterly goal, set milestones that you should hit along the way. And if you're not running two laps around the track by week four, you better sound the alarms and say, hey man, you're supposed to be running a 5K in eight weeks and you can't even get around the track twice. And then we're going to talk about it. We're going to figure out why, figure out the real issue, solve it. So we're going to hit that long-term goal. And that's what I find is people don't plan their rocks. They're not specific enough. They're not detailed enough. And they're not measuring them by actual data that tells us how well they're doing or what success looks like. And then most importantly, they're not tracking them week in and week out. And EOS talks about having like a weekly meeting where you're able to ultimately do that. So that's an example I like to use and hopefully somebody can run a marathon now. <laughs> but it's great because I think we look at these big goals and as visionaries, you get overwhelmed by all the things you have to do or you just start doing them and then you lose sight of where you're going, right? There's two different things. You know, I'm one of those people that I'm like, well, I'm going to start a podcast and I just go, I'm starting a podcast, right? And start doing it. And then all of a sudden, five years later, I have 400 episodes. But bringing down rocks allows you to have someone else manage it, doesn't it? Now, if I think this is a big thing. If someone, if, the, if I own the rock, let's say, or I gave you the rock, does that mean you have to do everything yourself? It doesn't. So, um, you know, there's certain things that you're going to need from other people in your organization to help you accomplish your goal. So, you know, if I'm the integrator of a company and I have a rock, I might need the head of ops or the head of sales or the head of marketing to help with certain aspects of that rock. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on what would be a good example. But at the end of the day, somebody's accountable to make sure it gets done with, you know, you're 
your job is on the line if these rocks don't get done, especially if they're not getting done quarter after quarter. Because remember, if your rocks get done and your numbers are good, everybody's going to be happy in the organization. So one person's accountable, but there might be somebody else responsible for helping do certain things along the way to make sure that end goal gets done. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. So can you walk me through, we built out a, a marathon rock. Let's talk about a marking rock. Um, you know, how, you know, when you're running rocket fuel or for your own company, how are you deciding what marking rocks are important and then building them out? So I'm not a marketing expert, but that would probably be a better question for our marketing team. But I think the end goal is like, what are you ultimately wanting to accomplish? So I think the first thing you have to ask is specifically, what are you trying to achieve? Like if it is a marketing rock, like at the end of the day, what do you want to happen after that 90 day period? Is it a certain number of leads? Is it a certain number of visits on your website? Like be really specific with the data of what you're trying to accomplish. So if you're writing out a marketing rock, you know, they talk about making it smart, S-M-A-R-T. It's very specific, like specifically, what do you want to accomplish? And then measurable, what do you want to ultimately do? Okay, um, attainable, can you actually do it? Relevant, should you actually do it? Because I find a lot of businesses pick the wrong rocks. A lot of businesses pick the things that are fun to do and exciting to do, but they're not necessarily the things that move the needle. And that's what you really got to figure out is if it's a marketing rock, do you need more leads? Well, that should ultimately be the rock. We need to generate X amount of leads by X day. And then it's specifically, what do you want to do? And then how are you going to measure it? Because if you want to generate a certain amount of leads, you probably need a certain amount of visits or you need a certain amount of this. So you have your leading indicators and you have your lagging indicators. And then if at the end of the day, you want to build out a certain amount of leads over a course of a 90 day period, by week four, you should probably be, you know, three quarters of the way or a quarter of the way there. And if you're not, let's talk about it. But there's certain things that might need to be done to hit more leads, build out a new website, look at your offers, see your conversions. And those are things inside of the rock that would be your milestones, which would be the, you know, the time timelines of the things that you ultimately want to, you know, accomplish. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think, it, and that's great because we, you need to have the milestones, right? You need, you need to know when things are going to accomplish, not just a list of things to do. Uh, but you also talked about, and I don't want to gloss over this, leading and lagging indicators, because I think people look so much at the lagging indicators and the results that they're not paying enough, enough attention to the leading indicators. Can you go deeper into what those mean and examples of them? Yeah, so this isn't a marketing specific one, but one that comes to mind is, you know, you're looking at a lagging indicator, which would be like your sales or your revenue or your profit or whatever that looks like. But what are all the other things that go into that? So an example, we used to have a couple uh, fast food chain restaurants and we would track the average ticket cost, like the average price that each person would spend per check. And it was on average around 1450. It was like a fast casual, like a Chipotle. And we would track it each week. And then all of a sudden it went from 1450 to like 1237. And we were like, well, that's weird. Okay, somebody should probably figure that out. And we were tracking that each week because that number is really important. We want to make sure our average ticket sales not going down. It's actually going up because we want people selling more, selling drinks, selling cookies, selling smoothies, whatever that stuff is. 
And all of a sudden it went to four, from 14 to 12. And we're like, that's weird. We made that an issue to solve that. And we realized that there was an update in the system. And all of a sudden everybody was getting a free drink. They weren't paying for their drink. <laughs> and we solved it by the next week. Now, if we wouldn't have had that leading indicator, we might have never found out because at the end of the month, we might have found out on the profit and loss that we our revenue went down, but we had the same amount of customers. So it's really figuring out, yeah, what are the leading indicators? And leading could be website visits, right? How many people generate and visit your website or, or clicked or converted? But then at the end of the day, it's, it's leads because I think that at the end of the day with marketing, you just want leads, you want qualified leads, but it starts with how many clicked on the website, how many converted, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, do you have any other examples there of what you would say, Ian, in, in your industry that would be good leading versus lagging indicators? Yeah, and you know, one thing I talk about too is leading indicators as well, um, being things that you can also affect a little bit more. Meaning how much, you know, how many emails are we sending? How much content are we creating? How much, uh, you know, how many client stories are we collecting? And lagging indicators also being, you know, and the results, like the leads, right, that you're talking about. I mean, leads, is, and then, like you said, qualified leads. Because there's a lot of people out there that are like, I could generate you a thousand leads tomorrow, but you'd have a thousand phone calls with people that have no interest in hiring you because they don't have the money or they don't understand what you do, right? So I think those are a few important ones that we definitely need to figure out. But leads definitely being the, the big lagging one, like you said qualified leads and also average cost average you know client value i think it's an important one because if you're getting the wrong leads and you're just selling to whoever there's people you know my a story that came up recently i forget who had it there was like a violinist in that was playing in the new york subway for like four hours everyone walked by him he got like five dollars that night he played at carnegie hall for like two or three hundred dollars a ticket right and it's also, you know, making sure in the right place <laughs> and talking to the right people. So I, th I think these are all things to think about and it's, it's important. And, but I, what I think even this brings it around to is the importance of having an integrator versus a visionary, right? Because an integrator can take that visionary's ideas and now make them into something executable, right? Yeah, yeah. They, there's a book called uh, Simplify and Multiply. Um, it's a strategic coach and I see an integrator and they talk about it as the person that simplifies the business, mm -hmm. figures out what 20% of the stuff is that actually makes an impact and the visionary goes and multiplies it. So how do we simplify and streamline and automate and organize this business? How do we simplify what really makes us money? How do we simplify what really makes an impact on our customers? And then the visionary goes and multiplies it. And I feel in, you can't multiply until you simplify your business. And that's all about people and process and offer and all of that kind of stuff. And making sure you have the right data and scorecards. Because it's hard for a visionary. If you're that visionary, if you're that go-getter, change the world, big relationships, new ideas. If you don't have that person that's harnessing you, that's asking you tough questions, and you're just in optimistic land all the time, like, and nobody's bringing you down to, I don't know if we should really do that. Or I think that's a really great idea, but maybe next quarter, but this idea, Miss Integrator or Miss Visionary or Mr. Visionary, like that's the one we need to nail. And then having the organization focus on that, I think is really good. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what the way that we look at it. Yeah. And so when you look at rocks, 
and you know marketing rocks especially um so, you know marketing shifts marketing changes and you know me as a visionary i'm like oh shiny object let's go do this and then oh another shiny object let's change to this some of that i feel like you need to be dynamic but obviously we want to stay the course how once you design and make this rock are you making sure it's still the right rock well, you got to build out the right metrics in your organization. So you got to figure out what are the things you should be tracking weekly that are telling you if your business is doing a good job. So that just starts with building out your scorecard or your data sheet or your KPIs and figuring out what are the things you should be tracking. And hopefully your rock is going to help you turn those things positive, turn those things green. Um, and then if for some reason your scorecard is not doing so hot, right? Then you can look at it. You know, I'm a big baseball guy and you know, the things that you track as a baseball player, if you're evaluating a player is their batting average, their hits, their home runs, their on base percentage. So like a rock could be, Hey, we need to, you know, take our batting average to 300 and we're at 275. Well, we're tracking that each week, but that's a lagging indicator. A leading would be we're going to hire a new hitting coach and we're going to make sure you have batting practice three days a week. And then we're going to be tracking it. So I think it's really just figuring out in your organization, what are the key numbers that you should be tracking and each week figuring out, are those moving in the right direction? And hopefully your rocks are helping you move those scorecard metrics and those KPIs in the right direction, because a rock really is truly to here to help you hit your one year goals. So if you have your one-year goals, your 90-day rock should be something that's going to help you get to that one-year revenue goal or accomplish whatever it is you set for your team. Love it. You know, and I think having this in place is so critical for so many businesses because I see so many, you know, we get that too. We get business, we get visionaries walking through like, I have this vision, I want to do this. And then they don't have anyone holding them accountable and they don't have any metrics. So three months later, they're disinterested in the project instead of staying the course. Um, and I think that's where finding the right integrator, people, processes, numbers is so important. And that's what, you know, that's why I want to bring you on. Um, well, this is awesome, Casey. So talk a little bit about working with you all at Legacy. How do you, how, who, sh who should work with you? How does it work? Yeah, so a growth-minded, open-minded entrepreneur that wants to grow and scale their business. They're not like, hey, I want to build a lifestyle business and just kind of get by. Like, hey, I want to double, triple my business in the next few years. So they're growth-minded, they're open-minded, meaning like, I haven't figured it all out, I need some help. I've taken this business as far as I can on my own. I'm stuck in the weeds running the day-to-day -day when I want to focus on the big picture stuff and focus on growing the business rather than operating the business. So if you're growth-minded, open-minded, you're looking for a better way, Hey, we'd love to speak, speak to you. And what we really do is we help you first clarify your vision. Where do you ultimately want to go as a business? And then truly is that business and where you want to go going to give you what you want personally? Because what I find is a lot of people build a business, but it's not ultimately meeting their need because at the end of the day, the business is supposed to fund our lifestyle. And what I find is we're so busy serving the business right? That we have no opportunity to even let the business serve us. So we need to figure out what type of business you want to build. Cause I often find people are building something that even if they get their goals, it's not going to be what they want. We got to figure out what issues are holding you back from getting there. And then we give you the tools and resources that you need to be successful. So I just jump on a quick 30 minute call with you, get to know you, learn about what you got going on, see if there's somebody I can connect you to, or maybe it's somebody on our team. And then that's where we start because I don't know what you need or who you need until I get to know you a little bit, but 
We got to get that vision clear. We got to figure out what the real issues are holding you back. And we got to get you connected to the resources and tools and people that are going to help you ultimately get out of the day to day so you can grow your business. Love it. Yeah, it's so important. And I, I mean, I can't help but recommend Casey enough. Uh, you, you're great at what you do. And I honestly, you know, I think if anyone's running EOS and they're like, uh, I'm not doing it that well, they're a perfect fit because, you know, we, we ran EOS for like four or five years beforehand. And it was always on again, off again. There are all these problems. And I would say, Casey, like you're just a ninja with how to have the conversations, keeping focused, keeping things clear. Um, so definitely give Casey a mention. We'll put a link in the show notes. And Casey, where do you spend most of your time on social media? Uh, gosh, I'm personally, I'm on Facebook a lot. I'm on LinkedIn. I actually got a Twitter. I got involved in the NFT and Web3 space. You can see some of my artwork out there. Gosh, this time last year. So I actually have a Twitter. So on Twitter, I'm Crypto Casey NFT. So if any of you guys are in the Web3 NFT business, I'm on Twitter a lot, but just go look me up on LinkedIn, Casey Cavell. That's like a fun hobby and all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, yeah, LinkedIn, Casey Cavell, and drop me a note. And then you can go to just my site, CaseyCavell.com. You can get a link to Legacy on there. And yeah, happy to get to know you, talk to you, learn about what you got going on and give you any resources you need to be successful. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check, check out Casey. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. If you're all if you're at all involved in NFTs, we've talked a lot about it. He's super smart with that, doing a lot of cool stuff. And obviously, if you need any help in EOS or managing your business or visionary integrator or developing a system, clarify your vision, definitely give Casey a call. Um, Casey, thanks again so much for being on the Garlic Marketing Show. You bet. Thanks, Ian. And thank you all for taking Casey and I on journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it'll make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. 